It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to the Jason in the House podcast. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time and taking it, uh, taking some time with us. And we got a very special guest. Normally, we phone a friend. This time, I'm going to be able to sit down with her. It's Harris Faulkner from the Faulkner Focus, from Outnumbered, from Fox News. You know her. You've seen her. She's got this great book uh, that's just come out. It's been a New York Times bestseller, like literally not just a bestseller, but number one for like weeks on end. Uh, uh, Faith Still Moves Mountains. And I'm really excited to have her here because we're going to talk through some some stories about putting the book together and, you know, what faith means in her life. And so stay with us for that. That That's really going to be, I think, the highlight of this. Uh, we are going to highlight the stupid because, you know, there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. Um, and then we'll have this conversation and talk a little bit about the news. And um, I, I, I appreciate you joining us. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right. So first thing in the news I want to talk about, and look, we record these podcasts and sometimes they don't come out for a few days or maybe a week or so. And so um, things can move on you a little bit by the time you record it and we, when they come out. But I really am struck um, by it always seems to be around the holidays. I don't know what it is, but there are usually some very notable, uh, famous people um, that pass away and, and you're sad to see it. They've been part of your lives. They've touched your lives. But I'm really, I don't know, personally touched by some of the accidents that happened. And people who were hurt and maimed and in the hospital and namely this uh, DeMar Hamlin, I couldn't have named him before this, but he played for the Buffalo Bills. He was a safety. Uh, He got hit. Um, I should say he did the hitting because he's a safety. He helped tackle somebody, but he took a hit in the chest and, you know, routine play. Uh, nothing extraordinary about it. The guy's played college football. He's played professional football. He does this every day. He does it for a living. And then all of a sudden, he stands up after the play. Everybody thought everything was fine. And then he fell to the ground. Um, we know now that he went into cardiac arrest. Fortunately, there were doctors that were there that rendered this care. But it really touched my heart. Now, uh, I was on the backup, if you will, uh, is what they call it here at Fox, for... Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity had been on on uh, vacation. This was, you know, the first uh, day or two, uh, not January 1st, but I believe it was January 2nd. And um, I was asked to, to back up the show. That is, if there's any breaking news, then I would just be really close to a camera and I could jump in at any moment. Usually nothing happens when they have a tape show like that and you're doing the backup, you get all ready for it and then nothing happens. And all of a sudden I got a call from the producer of Hannity, get in the chair and we, I, I don't know, hour, hour and a half, something like that. I sat in the chair and as I watched this story unfold and try to convey to people that were watching, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. Um, I was really touched when I saw these NFL players kneel down in prayer and, you know, I, I just, again, it just really touched my heart. And I, I, uh, I just really felt for this player and his family. And then I, I read about Jeremy Renner 
famous actor, great actor, seen him in I don't know how many different movies and different roles. He always struck me, this Jeremy Renner, as just a nice guy. Sometimes he plays a hardened guy. Sometimes he plays a nice guy. He's usually doing something physical, you know. But he always struck me as a nice guy, somebody you'd like to hang out with, somebody who's got a family and somebody who's, he, I don't know, he's just, I just thought he was a great guy. And then I heard about this, this accident where he was running some old uh, snowplow and had some sort of accident. We don't know exactly how clear it was, but fortunately there was a doctor that was somewhat clear and uh, nearby. Very difficult to get to in Northern California. I believe it was up near Lake Tahoe. They had to helicopter him out and he survived. Thank goodness. But his life is uh, sure forever changed. And I, I think about my own life. You know, I had this accident we've talked about on this podcast where our son-in-law, um, you know, dove into our pool as he had a hundred times and, but one time hit his head and, you know, we got a 10 foot deep pool. It's, you would think it'd be fine, but he hit his head and he, he had jumped off the diving board, like all the other people were doing. And, um, and suddenly in that moment in your life, things change and, uh, you hope you have a foundation for prayer and an understanding and it gives you comfort. And then you start to see miracles happen Things are difficult and they're hard, but, you know, part of what we're talking about today on the podcast that I'm excited about is to talk about what's going on in today and in religion and how that can play a, a role in your life in a very positive way. And I, you know, as we're going to talk about with Harris Faulkner here in a moment, there are still miracles that happen and faith is large part what drives that and moves that. And, and I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it up close and personal. You know, I, the point I tried to make on the air when I was on Fox talking about this, this, this accident um, with DeMar Hamlin is that it got a lot of attention. The what's going on with Jeremy Renner getting a lot of attention, right? I'm sure every news outlet's going to cover his recovery. But, you know, these types of accidents, these types of things, they, they happen all the time. And we got first responders who jump up and, and respond. They, they, they spend the time, the money, the effort. They get educated. They know how to do it. And uh, I'm just so proud of those people because, yeah, it's just, it, I think it was Kurt Vonnegut in some speech that he gave, a commencement speech, just talked about how it's going to be some random Tuesday that's going to change your life because something dramatic will happen and you may not be prepared for it. And um, you can't live your life scared. You can't you not go out of the house. But tough things happen in life. And, and while we see famous people going through it, my guess is every single person here who's within the listening to this podcast, you, you probably have something difficult too. It could be financial trouble. It can be alcoholism. It could be uh, drugs, mental health, um, an accident. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but we all have loved ones that either you personally are going through it or your family's going through it and it's touching your heart. And so how do we deal with that? I, we're going to talk some more about that, but that as far as the news segment was really something that was touching my heart. I also want to talk about the other end of the spectrum where people do some really stupid stuff. So let's make the hard transition to the opposite end of the spectrum and bring on the stupid, because you know what? There's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. 
right, over at uh, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Northern Virginia, we did this story on the air. I was guest hosting for Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle. Uh, found this story that was out there, but the people had students. There were, I think, there were over a thousand of them. Uh, in this, um, had over the course of time won a National Merit Scholarship. The National Merit Scholarship Corporation had given these uh, student awards out. Now, this is for the top echelon. We're talking like 1%, 2% of the top people would win this type of award. Now, you use those awards to help gain scholarships, to get into schools, to um, in your first job interview. To be able to say that you are a National Merit Scholar is like a big deal. Helps people and all this... Well, this school uh, decided not to tell the students that they had won these awards because they didn't want the people who didn't win the awards to feel bad. That, to me, is absolutely stupid. They were holding back all these performers because they had accomplished something, but they didn't want them to know because they felt like the other students didn't accomplish and we're in fear. It's just absolutely unbelievable that they would do that. I hope they get sued, and I hope they, uh, I hope those students who had earned these awards it win big because they've been held back like that. All right, now we got to transition over to, to uh, Austin, Texas. I'm just telling you, I am a big Waffle House fan. I pass a Waffle House, I get hungry. I want to go in there, get some pancakes, get a waffle. Um, I'm just telling you, I really like like the place, okay? Did you see the video? There was this video out there where all of a sudden the allegation is that some people came in that were maybe had been drinking. And then next thing you know, you see this video of this chair being thrown at somebody who's working in the kitchen. And now she fights back, evidently. And so they asked her about this. This is the Waffle House employee, quote, I actually didn't get any kind of bonus from it because this employee is like protecting herself, protecting the store and dealing with a volatile situation. Police haven't been able to arrive yet. It was impossible. It had gone so fast and so quickly. She went on to say, the only thing that I did get from the fight was a write up for breaking the sugar shaker, you know, telling them them telling me, you know, hey, we're going to write you up for the sugar shaker. But you did a good job protecting the store, making sure that you were all right. That's her quote. So the Waffle House, come on, Waffle House. You're writing up this employee that had to protect herself in the store because she broke a sugar shaker trying to. And then she was blacklisted from working in other stores. She tried to go to another Waffle House and get a job. And they blacklisted her saying you can't work at any 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 Waffle House. My goodness, that is just absolutely stupid. And Waffle House, you can do better than that. All right, we're going from the stupid now to uh, somebody I have the greatest respect for. Somebody that I just genuinely um, appreciate and somebody that I'm so thrilled that I've gotten to become friends with since I have joined the, the Fox family here as a contributor Harris Faulkner is just one of our favorites. She's so genuine, so sincere, and so talented at what she does. I mean, if you got breaking news. You got uh, news that's happening. I'm just telling you, she's as good as it gets. She's one of the best in the business, and she wrote a book. 
And uh, this book, another book, she's uh, written previous books, but I wanted to bring her back on the podcast to talk about this Faith Still Moves Mountains. Um, Like I said, New York Times, number one for weeks on end. Inspirational stories. I think there's 19 stories in the book um, about um, faith and how it promoted uh, the goodness and how faith helps save these people and uh, gets into the power of prayer and everything else. So uh, let's get into my conversation as I was able to sit down with Harris Faulkner. All right. So I I am so thrilled. Actually, I call people on the phone most of the time, but to be actually sitting here here with you, Harris, is is a treat. It's great. Well, you know, you and I uh, do outnumbered. We do a whole lot of things together. So we do get to see each other. But yeah, when you do your podcast, it's usually by phone, smoke signal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't normally get, but I'm here in New York because I did outnumbered and I love that show. So you get to talk, you get to talk more. You get to go a little bit deeper on some of those issues. Well, and and you can, I mean, when, when we're covering politics and all those things that we, you know, are constantly covering, you can go deeper. Like I feel sometimes I'm like, is Jason actually exhausted by me saying, well, can I pick your brain? (laughs) I love it. Are you kidding? Faulkner Focus is the same way. You get to you get to have a bit more of a discussion because some shows love them, but it's just harder to do it in two minutes. Yeah, you no, know, we we have a big chunk guests, of time. You know, it's just like yeah. Ugh, yikes for a single guest on Faulkner Focus, and we call it in focus because it's it's usually at one of those um, flashpoints that we cover a lot, like military or border or you know, whatever it is. And you fit right in there because you, you do so many different things. Well, I, I love it. I love policy. I get like really excited. You are such a policy head. I, I, so I really do dig it. Like I actually read those like oversight reports, you know, they come out. They you generate... still read them? Oh yeah, I still do. I do you ever that... like catch yourself saying, okay, who, who am I going to call? Cause I got to do something. Oh, I, I still know these inspector generals. So I'll read the report <laughs> and I will call them or I will text them and say, this is really good. But on 30, on page 32, no, I don't agree with that. <laughs> oh no, they do. And, and they're just I like, I, I think what they look at is they say, I'm just glad somebody actually read it. Oh, you know, certainly. there are 13,500 um, inspectors general. I mean, in the IG department, their staff, there are 72 IGs, but they have 13,500 people who all day, every day are auditing the federal government. This is the best treasure trove. And, and so Ooh. when they finally take a year or two to generate a report, their biggest fear, because I asked them, I brought them all together when I became the chairman. I said, what's your, you know, what's working well, what's not working well. And the number one thing they said is, we're just afraid that we do all this work and that nobody actually reads it. Are they right? Oh, they are right. They are right. I mean, think about it, how much auditing is done. And sometimes they, you've, there's nothing wrong. They, they did a good job. And we should be pointing that out, too. But Aww. there's so many gems within this stuff. Really? I cannot even tell you. I could never have been chairman and been successful in the oversight role without them. And I can tell you how many stories then will be generated by Fox because I will read it and I'll, I'll tell somebody at Fox, hey, this, look at this. This is a huge admission and a finding. And I remember a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we're getting you... off track. I want no, to talk about you and your track. book. Um, well, you mentioned stories. Yes. And Faith Still Moves Mountains is taking on sort of a... A hopeful movement of its own. That's how I say it. 
I, I mean, I think that we are now having the deeper discussions about real changes that we can bring in our lives through the power of prayer. And I know you and your family are very strong in your faith. And you've had some struggles here recently. I know with yeah. your son-in-law, and I have prayed for him by name and lifted his name oh, up. Thank you. You are one of those in my constellation of, of friendships and, and colleagues um, at our Fox family and beyond that I know when you say you pray, um, your, your prayer is by appointment powerful. You, you take the time wow. to be in the presence of God. And I can tell it by who you are, by being around the few family members that I've gotten to meet, um, your wife especially, that your house is that of the Lord. And, you know, I talk boldly about my faith and unapologetically because think about all the stuff we know about people we work with, Jason. Yeah. I mean, you in politics and me and 25 plus years in television news and all the romance and cheating and drugs and everything that people... You know, it's like the underbelly of media and politics and all of that. Yet we're made to feel as outside the bounds of, of where people are comfortable when they say, well, foundationally, how do you get through a hard news story, Harris? How do you go and report on disasters? What do you do at the end of the day? And I say, honestly, I pray and I lean on the Lord. And I know that his divine assignment on my life is to be a witness and people look at me like I have three heads. And now that Faith Still Moves Mountains has made it to the number one spot on the New York Times bestseller list, all of that is God. That's not me. These are other people's stories. I'm doing the divine assignment on my life by telling the stories of miracles. And it's, it is the biggest joy next to my marriage and children of my life. It really is. I mean, I get to talk about something that edifies people even in their darkest moments and as a journalist i have seen people in such low spots and i've prayed with people and i'm proud of that throughout my career i would never ever want to hide that light out of all the things i know about other people if all you know about me is that i pray i'm good you're good in, in a whole lot of ways and the composure you. that you have in those tough moments i remember there was a time early on in fox i probably hadn't been here a few months and you don't remember this at all, but I do. And it, there was a hurricane and, and Griff Jenkins was down there, you know, talking to this person and puts this microphone and, and this woman starts talking about how she lost everything. I mean, and she's like waist deep in water. I mean, it was, it was quite the scene. I, I couldn't handle it. I got all teary eyed and you had to take over and, and stay in the moment. And that's, You've got, you're inspired that way because you're telling the toughest stories and they don't happen every day, right? You're talking about politics or we're talking about this, or we're talking about that. And then all of a sudden a real human story where you can feel the grief and the, the fundamental change in this person's life and the devastation that a tornado or a hurricane or a, a murder or something happens. I don't know how you do that, but I'm glad you do it because it touches our hearts well, and in a way, and that these people that, sorry, but it's not just spontaneous combustion. I don't believe on how we got here. I, oh, I, I agree with you. And, and, and so there's a spirit that enters into that conversation and how it comes across to people's, and you have that unique talent. Well, when You've you been given that gift. Well, thank you. I, um, 
And I, I thank God for that. Uh, I mean, it's it's nothing that I have control over other than to pray and to listen when I pray, to see what next steps are. I must be on some sort of divine mission or assignment because doors open for me and people tell me things that they don't tell other people. And I have the ability to hold a confidence. My mom used to say that. She's like, I can never crack you once your father tells you not to say something. <laughs> And it's just, I was four. <laughs> like I should have been crackable. So your whole life. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, but it was kind of a joke around my house too, that as much as I ran my mouth, my mom used to call me a motor mouth. If someone told me something in confidence, I really held it. And, well, that's... and, and I really do feel like we didn't spontaneously get to where we are right now. Our, our nation is in a spot right now coming out of a pandemic, a lot of depression among our young people, people in general just feeling unfulfilled, not happy, unsure of what's next, how to get there. Does God even hear my prayers? To the point where Gallup and Pew Research now are taking bigger surveys and doing more research right. to find out what is going on with people spiritually. Because we have always identified as a nation that was Christian Tadeo, everybody's welcome. But it's been a nation where we've been led by our belief in the in the Lord. And by 2070, according to Pew Research, less than 50% of the country will be that way. And what are we becoming if we're only driven by secular and things that we can buy to, to try to drive the, the come up or the lift of our lives? What will we become if all of it is man-made? I, I don't trust myself. I don't think I can trust every other man or woman to secure our destiny without something bigger than we are loving us. Yeah, every answer to every question and every emotion isn't found on your phone. And, <laughs> you know, if the, the technology of Or today, on Amazon. Yeah, or on Amazon, <laughs> just a click away and, and it'll show up in your door in an hour. Uh, you know... You talk about faith in our family, and I appreciate that. And um, well, but I, I had to, to learn too that. much because I don't know what you told your audience. Well, look, I I had to learn that. I I didn't. I had loving parents. I grew up in an idyllic household. I, I my parents loved me. I never worried for safety or food or uh, things that a lot of people, yes, when they're infants don't don't have. You know, and I as I got older, I came to realize how special and you, and and blessed we were. And I had spiritual moments in my life. I just didn't recognize them as spiritual at the time. It, it's only as I got older that I learned, like, when I started, I, I didn't have prayer in our house. We grew up with really? Halloween. We grew up with Valentine's Day. We grew up with Christmas. They were just fun holidays. Give presents, give cards, you know, get dressed up. I didn't really understand the meaning of this stuff. It was only later when I was asked to pray by my roommate, and I and I I didn't even really know how to pray, and so, but then it, I figured it out, and it was very private, and now it's such a core part of who I am. I think how did I, how did I, how did I do those first eighteen plus years without it? I'm going to interview you, <laughs> and and I'm interviewing you for if. Faith Still Moves Mountains had an extra chapter. Yeah. <laughs> when did you realize that 
there was a relationship with the Lord that you were praying to? When did you realize that someone was listening more powerful than we? A few things. I, I had some dramatic things that happened in my life where I felt just, I felt the evil, but I also felt the good. And I recognized that even at those young age, at that young age, like I still remember as clear as day, and I couldn't have been five years old or so, we were in Northern California. My parents were away. We had a babysitter. And this is Saratoga, California, the near the Palmasan Vineyards, the, the hills back there. Not, not the multi-million dollar estates that it is now, but cow fields, literally cow fields. So we were out in the kind of felt like in the boonies. And uh, a lightning storm was happening, and the lights went out. And as a little kid, scared me to death. I was screaming. I was crying. I, I could still feel it. It's like, I can't remember what I wore or what I ate two days ago, but I can remember this event when I was five or so years wow. old. And my babysitter took me into the bathroom, and we knelt down in prayer. How about that? And I remember it. Like, I can't tell you what she said, but I remember this calmness that came over me. Mm-hmm. And, and so later when I had experiences, and then I was very much, I think my parents thought I was going to be a zoologist. Really? Because I loved animals. I loved being outside. I loved the outdoors. And I went out there and I, I did that stuff. And I kept looking at space and, and animals. And I thought, oh, what? It's not really spontaneous combustion that I would do it. There's only divine, it's, it, only God could do this. And I got to figure out what this is all about. And the babysitter too. I mean, I, I just want to pause there because when you are bold with your faith, it is reflexively where you go. Yeah. So who knows what anybody had ever told the babysitter about, well, you know, not everybody's child you watch is going to be, you know, and I had been told by news directors earlier in my career, you know, not every place you go is somebody going to appreciate that <laughs> right. you tell them that you pray when, when hurricanes come. I mean, I, I don't know if the, if the idea of a news anchor on her knees gives anybody any confidence. And I said, well, it should. Because out of everything that we do, teleprompter or not, people ought to know that I'm praying for them yeah. and not just speaking the words. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be back with more of my conversation with Harris Faulkner right after this. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Is it okay if I share something from the Yeah, book? yeah, that's why I was, I, yeah. There's a chapter, and there's so many of these chapters about, um, they're 19 stories, and they're about miracles that happen, and these are not spontaneous, some of them are. Most of them are people who have prayed and and come in and out of a relationship with the Lord. Lord's not listening to me. He's not doing what I need him to do. Let me pull back. And then the reminder that when we lean into God, he leans into us. And that's such an amazing story because something that happened to you when you were a youngster still affects you today and makes you so amazing as a parent because you know that when our children at whatever age you're frightened, you can hold them by the hand, kneel and pray, and you know it works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this book is. This is just this is just evidence. That's what I do. Right. I'm an investigative reporter. Depression feels a bit like falling into a hole with no way out. 
Wisconsin mom Tina Zahn had struggled with depression for much of her life, but postpartum depression still threw her into a tailspin. Even thinking of her favorite Bible story, the story of Joseph, didn't help bring her out of it. It felt as though she could not hear God's voice any longer. The silence would lead her to do something that no one, she included, could really understand, something desperate, all because she felt alone. Why can't you snap out of this? The word spoken by a relative seemed to come from a million miles away. Tina was living at her mother's house then, recovering from the birth of her son. She had spent days staring dully into the middle distance, wondering why she couldn't feel something, anything. But with those words, she suddenly felt everything all at once. Why can't you snap out of this? Years of pain pressed into that moment. Tina's lifelong depression, her difficult childhood, her first and most basic instinct that the solution to her problems was to withdraw, to push everybody away. She just had one thought, run. I'm going to skip down. When Tina figured out where she was going to go, she started driving in Wisconsin on the road from Shawano to Green Bay, Wisconsin. She crossed a bridge, the highest bridge. She got out of the car and was ready to jump, pressing the gas pedal flat to the floor. She flew down the road. The miles sped by in minutes. She came to the bridge. She stepped out of that car, as I mentioned, strode with purpose to the edge, and jumped. And for a millisecond, she hung in the air, a moment she can no longer really remember all of. And then out of nowhere, a hand grabbed her arm. An off-duty police officer who'd heard on the radio that somebody might be in trouble. Her mom and whole family were at home praying. And... uh, started calling each other and saying, what should we do? And someone said, I'll call 911, keep praying. I love that story so much because sometimes other people pray for us. And that's why it's so valuable to know who's in your circle, who's in your constellation. I don't hang out with people who don't take action in that way. Because I know that there's trouble all around us and the devil's always so, he's so frolicky. (laughs) <laughs> he's always got something clever. going on. A little clever. Right? So the people that I'm closest to in my life pray and I pray for them. And we may not all be like Tina's on about to jump off a bridge, but we've probably had some moments where by the grace of God and prayer of those around us and even our own prayers, we've been saved. Yeah, the power of prayer is... Thank because, you for letting me share no, that. No, it's, it's so powerful. In this book, the, the Faith Still Moves Mountains and... You know, prayer I I found is not just it's not just for um, the most dramatic things in your life. I think if you build that yeah. foundation and you do it regularly and mm-hmm. and not just turn it into the I can say a prayer in about twelve seconds if I really wanted to. You know, it's really fast, um, but not necessarily with my heart into it. I I found personally, and I don't know how this is for for you or others, but. I literally get down on my knees, which I think is not just a sign, but a a moment of humility. And by yourself, and it's great. I mean, you do prayers at at dinner, at you know meals, or with your spouse, or you know, with my wife Julie, or as a family. But there still also needs to be that point when you personally, an appointment in the calmness, 
you just kind of relax and have that conversation, if you will. And you asked earlier, but I can feel that promptness. I can, I can feel it's not as if, hey, Jason, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm not getting that, but I, I can tell what's good and what's bad. I can tell what's right and what's wrong. I can tell. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that light of Christ, that spirit that, uh, that touches you, mm-hmm. um, in, in my particular religion, the gift of the Holy Ghost, it prompts you in such a way that you tend to know what to do. And then when you're doing good things, good things happen. And if you don't do good things, yeah, it, it tends to come back and bite you. You know what I love about faith and prayer? Sometimes we don't do good things. Sometimes we make mistakes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we make bad choices. And what I teach my children who, I have two daughters, the youngest is 13, the oldest just turned 16 a few weeks ago. I teach them in that moment that you realize that you should have done something different, say a prayer and let God know that you need his help navigating you forward now that you've made this mistake because you don't want to make another one. Yeah. And you humbly ask for forgiveness and you figure out through your prayer what next steps are. And in those times, it's really critical that when we pray that we stay silent. Silent and listen have the same letters for a reason. You cannot listen if you're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right? And so what I love about Faith Still Moves Mountains is that we do prayer circles when I've, I mean, can you imagine me at Barnes & Noble down in Florida <laughs> And I stop the, the the crowded book signing that the Lord has blessed me with for the book. And I say, everybody hold hands. We're going to do a prayer circle. Now, you know, I, I, don't, I don't make like a COVID announcement. <laughs> I guess maybe I should, <laughs> right? But I figure if people want to hold hands, that ought to be up to them. Yeah. And I say, look, what, however you guys want to do this, if you want to touch elbows, hold hands, I'm a hand holder, I'm a hugger. Uh, and we put our hands in the air and I ask for a name. And we'll do that four or five times. I've never done anything like that. I'm not called to prophesize, but I am by divine assignment on a mission right now to make sure that people know that whatever season in their lives that they are, they can start to make a difference with prayer immediately. This is not a resolution that you make at the beginning of January that by usually by Valentine's Day, most of us give up on. That's not what this is. This is forever. This is for those times when you're praying as you should before, during, and after a storm. And those times when, Lord, I'm coming to you because I've I've broken away for a while. I wondered if you even heard me anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He's always there. No. And, and you know, you don't I think some people get frustrated because they don't get an immediate response or, or hey, what they wanted. You didn't say you didn't do exactly what I wanted. And I'm not rich and I don't have the big car that I wanted, you know, whatever that is. For me, I, I became less embarrassed about wearing that on my shirt sleeve. Like, OK, so I went I gravitated from not doing anything to, to starting to to. Yeah, but I'm going to do this in private and everybody else doesn't really need to know. And right. and now I, I'm not trying to, you know, bump everybody into do it. They've got to find their own way. Everybody but does. But I don't think they need to be bashful about it. You know, I was really touched. I don't know if you saw this. Um, it, certainly you saw the stories about it afterwards. But when that NFL player for the Buffalo Bills, the safety. DeMar Hamlin. Hamlin um, went down, got up. And then, you know, 
went into what we now know as cardiac arrest. Yeah. I was very touched that the the NFL players, you know, the biggest, toughest, rowdiest, you know, most aggressive. What's the first thing they did? They gathered together. They knelt down in prayer. And, you know, nobody wants to see that happen to a player. Um, But I think it's also an interesting message to the rest of the world that these heroes that they kind of worship as these rough and tumble football players all tatted up, you know, yelling, screaming, swearing, I'm sure. When it really came necessary, what did they do? They worshiped the Lord. Yeah. They they needed some divine inter- intervention. Absolutely. And I thought it was, but I thought that was a positive message that I hope doesn't get lost. We don't just wait for that for, you know, some So we're disaster. responsible for that. We're, we're responsible for making sure that those messages don't go away. Um, for many, many years, I really wondered why we didn't see more people in high places praying publicly or at least talking boldly about their faith. And I can't imagine that we're around that many chickens. But I'm not that. I was raised by a combat pilot and a mom who was secure in her faith. And so I'm a warrior with a heart and a heart for God. And so I'm bold in my faith. I, I tell others, don't hide your light, be bold. Look, there's a world that would really rather we give up. There is. And, and make no mistake about it, if we are becoming 50% something else, what do you think that is? Mm-hmm. You, think it's, you think it's social media? You think it's woke? What do you think that is? I can tell you it is not of the Lord. So we are in a spiritual battle right now. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like certain of us deciding that in our homes, we will serve the Lord. In our corner of the universe, when people ask us foundationally, how do you get up when you're down at your lowest? You'll tell the truth about that. And I don't know if it makes it easier for people to see me pray, but I do know that it makes it easier for people to pick up a book like Faith Still Moves Mountains and see how other people have done it. Yeah, that's what I... I I think that's why the book is doing so well. It's because people can see, what do we call it? Receipts. Yeah. (laughs) They can see that this works. And this is where, yeah, I mean, Hollywood, social media, others will tell you that, oh, no, you're cooler than that. You don't need to do that. Why do they do that? Why do we have a president? I don't want to bring too many politics into this. I'm sure that Obama regrets this, but but why did he have to say that people were clinging to their religion? I don't know. I, like, it, why even go there? And who cares if we are? Well, isn't that a good thing? I think it is. I mean, uh, okay, so we need more of that, not less of it. But I think that's uh, that's what scares me, is that a younger generation does not see and feel the power of that. And... That's why I'm excited. I'm excited for you in this oh, book. Thank you. And I just congratulations. You've I'm had so great thrilled. success. But you know what? More importantly, you're, you're if you're going to spend your time and energy and all the accomplishments that you've had, touching people's hearts and showing ordinary people doing extraordinary things, that's inspirational. And that's it's an honor to do it. Yeah. Thank you. You're listening to Jason in the House. We'll be right back. I would say this. When I go all over the country now talking with people, when I do digital prayer circles now, which I never thought I would do, but 
I love <laughs> doing them. And everybody has their book, and we read from different sections, and they're each chapter, uh, each person has a story or a figure in the Bible that resonates with their situation. You know, we go from, first of all, I've gotten to meet so many incredible people. I didn't know that General George S. Patton, who won the Battle of the Bulge, and I mean, think about how different the world would be if we hadn't won World War II. Oh, my goodness. Right. George S. Patton, the, yeah. you know, arguably the, the most well-known and most powerful general in American history. Well, he had a chaplain, and he wore a cross around his neck, and he was a rather faithful man. <laughs> and when you... I prayed about that. And I said, well, if I'm going to tell that story, how do I tell that story? Do you know that his grandson sat down with me? Well, first of all, I found him. Wasn't really looking that hard. (laughs) Wasn't that far away from where I live. We sat down. And of course, we both have military brat backgrounds. And he was, it just makes you choke up. He was wearing the cross that his grandfather had worn. Wow. I know. I, I just, and I think about that and I wonder now, this is how you know that you're living God's divine assignment because only the Lord could make those things happen. Like I, I'm pretty trepidatious when it comes to, you know, people saying, oh, well, I'm going to Vegas, so I'm going to be lucky. And I'm like, gosh, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> Are you going to pray too? Because, I mean, you're going to bust your whole income. Your kids are hungry. You sure you want to do that? But when certain things start to happen, I realized that I could almost sit back and just say thank you. And that they'd probably, many of them, happen anyway. Because that's how my steps have been ordered for that, for that particular assignment. So it has been a miraculous journey in many ways to see people at almost impossible circumstances rise up and then want to share with you foundationally how they got there. And for it all to be this river of love and prayer that they all are swimming in is just amazing to me. And you think biblical times, that sounds like what they needed. No, we need it right now. Yeah. We need it right now. Yeah. The tumultuous times, the things that people go through, the unexpected things, you know, I, I still right on the impression of my mind is this, this NFL player, you know, yeah. I, I've heard stories that his mom was in the stands watching yeah. this, but it just harkens back to every parent who's got a child and every time they get, they go down or they're involved in a tackle or basketball or soccer or what, what, you know, lacrosse, whatever, gymnastics. Oh, yeah. Like my little one. It, you know, you got to be saying a prayer. Um, always. Always. And anyway, congratulations on the book. Oh, thank you. I love it. I, I hope, hope you do more. Every... I think people need to hear other people's stories and see it and learn how to pray. Every place you I get away go, from they it, tell yeah. me theirs. Yeah. So what I'm doing now, I've got more of the book tour coming up. I'm going to Nashville, Memphis, Kansas City, Missouri. Where do we go to find out where these are? All right. So on my Instagram page, and I'm not very creative, so everything in social media <laughs> is just at Harris Faulkner. <laughs> it's nowhere. It's like Twitter, Facebook. It's all the same. But on my Instagram pages and my Twitter and my Facebook, I will put up my newest schedule. I did last. I mean, we've had some big ones and they've been fun the last because the book just came out six weeks ago. So it hasn't been that long. Has it even been that long? Maybe five. But um, going into this new year, I want to challenge people to put more energy 
into being bold with their faith and less energy into lists of things as resolutions that they can't quite check the boxes of. Right. Because that's about judgment. And and it's almost self-defeating. And so if your goal is to lose weight, take it to God. I don't know that you have to bear these things on your shoulders to get it all done yourself. Start with, Lord, I really want to be in better health. And I know to do that, I need to exercise and eat right. I'm going to get up extra early. Will you wake me up, God? Doesn't that seem so simple? Yeah. But he will. And put down those M&Ms, which is my... My problem. You look fantastic. I don't even believe you eat any of I could M&M. use a little less Milky Way in my life. And you got some chocolate going on. That's your thing, huh? Well, I, Candy? Like, the, I like the Three Musketeers and I like the Milky Way. And then <laughs> I say, chocolate. well, if I'm going to have one, I better compare it to the other one. So, you know, just be a little careful there. But um, congratulations on the Thank book. you. Thrilled thank you for, for you. having me. And thank you for, for just taking the journey with me in prayer as a friend and a coworker. Oh, thank you. And my best to you. And no, I cherish the, the friendship and inspired by what you do and how you do it. And I think that matters in this world. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. All right. I can't thank Karis enough for, for doing that. Like I said, she is just, she speaks from her heart and does extraordinary things and touches people in, in such a way. And ha- I really do believe has been given an amazing gift. And I'm glad she could come in and, and share that that with us. Now, as we close out the podcast, hope you can uh, subscribe to it. Hope you can rate it. That's really important to us. Um, I want to remind people that you can listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I appreciate it uh, that you joined us. You can go over to foxnewspodcast.com um, and see some others uh, from our Fox family who do great podcasts. But again, please rate the show and subscribe to it. And we'll be back with another guest that will be compelling. I'm sure you'll love it next week. For now, I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this has been Jason in the House. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.